0: Here we go. Hello, I'm Lise Wilcox, and you're listening to To Call Myself Beloved, the podcast with Lise Wilcox. This is the place to be to find clarity in what you want, confidence in who you are, and the courage to stay true to both. Welcome back to the show. I'm so happy that you're here. Let's have a really wonderful half an hour together, shall we? I find I I speak more and write more and really just engage more in this process I keep referring to as emotional alchemy. I think that anybody who has been through any kind of trauma or crisis has some kind of hero's story to tell. You know, they they can start to chart their experience of how they felt versus how they feel and really how they got there. And what's really cool is that that experience is very unique to each person. But that experience in and of itself is an incredibly empowering journey. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I've experienced some stuff in my life, it's fair to say loosely, and you know as well as I do that I've built a coaching practice around that, I've built a speaker's platform around that, I post daily content and weekly content around that, and really that's how the podcast came to be too, right? Um, But I hadn't really ever sat down and asked myself in reflection, how did I do that? Like what were the actual tactics that I used um, and that I continue to employ in this process of overcoming. A few months ago when I started my um, chemotherapy treatments for breast cancer, I knew I knew that I was gonna have four months ahead uh, five two to five hours at a time times eight weeks um, of sitting around doing nothing and that to me, wasn't, it it wasn't going to cut the mustard. Um, I really wanted to make that time my own. And I really wanted to make that time purposeful and use it to help me turn this experience into something wonderful. I mean, that's a really good example of emotional alchemy right there. Um, So instead of going to treatments and just sitting and reading or chatting, and sometimes I did that. Sometimes I just sat Sometimes I just read. Sometimes I just chatted. Sometimes I got so knocked out by the Benadryl they gave me, I just slept. But what I really tried to focus my time and attention on was writing a book proposal. And while I was writing that book proposal, which, by the way, I actually finished, it did take... Well, each of those sessions to to wrap that up and drive it home, uh, plus some recovery time on the couch, because that's the other thing about chemo treatments is that you're pretty tired and zonked out for a few days afterwards. Um, and you know that I have little girls, uh, but the, it was so beautifully timed. Any time I had a treatment that my kids would go to their dads for the weekend. Uh, we share like partial custody like that. So, the girls would be with their dad while I was at home resting and recovering on the couch with no responsibilities. One of my aunts would come and just take care of me and make me fried egg and tomato sandwiches. It was just, it was really lovely. And I used all of that downtime to catch up on many Bradley Cooper movies that I think I missed out on in the past few years Um, and, and to write this book proposal. And, you know, just anecdotally, Sitting in the waiting room just before my final treatment, I pressed send and I emailed it to only one agent um, to submit it. Now, incidentally, she rejected it, but (laughs) that is not. That is inconsequential to the story. The point is that I took that entire time, that entire process, and I didn't sit and feel sorry for myself. I didn't sit and, and freak out or feel bored or dread it. I really sat And took it for what it was. I made it an experience that I could create as my own, well, creation. And a huge part of that book proposal, um, one massive chunk of it, I actually sat down and mapped out what that process of emotional alchemy looked and felt like. So when I was, you know, going through those massive changes in my family life and my personal life, which jettisoned phenomenal changes in my professional life, um... It felt like I was starting over uh, in a really dramatic way. You know, I had been a stay-at-home mom of three um, with an education background. And while I was at home with three kids, um, I started writing a newspaper column. It was a parenting column called Practical Parenting. You could probably still find footage or archives if you Google it. Um, And eventually I wanted to turn that into a blog. So I took all the newspaper columns and I backfilled my blog content with that, Um, wanted people to read my blog. So I got pretty good at Instagram, a little bit of Facebook and realized in doing so that um, I was pretty good at this Instagram game and then started leveraging those skills. And when I started leveraging those skills, a friend of mine and I turned or started a, we didn't know it at the time, but we started a boutique creative agency. We intended just to really hijack brands and businesses' Instagram accounts and just do all their content for them. But the really cool thing that happened was that every time we sat down with a client, they would talk to my business partner about marketing or really specifically sales. And they would talk to me about, you know... uh, my husband doesn't believe that this is anything more than a hobby, and I really want to show him that it's a viable business. Things like, um, I've always felt creative, but my mom has never supported me in that, and my dad thinks that this is a really terrible choice of career for me, and he thinks I should choose something more, you know, or less risky and more, more predictably safe. And so I started coaching these women really naturally, and we were doing it as a part of a brand and business con- uh, consultancy. And creative agency because we would come up with all their branding with them and their strategy to uh, implement it. Um, but really, my my specialty was not only telling their story, but removing the blocks for them and or helping them remove the blocks so that they could create this really honest and authentic brand story. And you know, the dot dot dot. Fast forward a few years later, that's what I really do full time is is coach in that exact capacity. You know, this Trojan horse, people come to me for support with their business and brand, but the bulk of the support that they need is getting rid of all of those emotional obstacles and reprogramming those subconscious beliefs so we can swipe them out of the way, get their vision really aligned clearly with their values and carry on so that they can then create the business and brand of their dreams and do what um, their purposeful work that they were put here on the earth to do. But that was kind of a major tangent. I want to bring this back to emotional alchemy. What I was going to say was, as I was starting Life 2.0 dramatically in my personal life, and as I just illustrated it wildly so in my professional life as well, I really did have a formula that I created for myself that I want to share with you here today. And yes, although that agent did indeed reject my book proposal, I feel like that is just a part of my own hero story, my own hero journey. And eventually I'm going to, you know, tweak the proposal just a little bit more. And I will eventually shop this around because I think this would make an excellent book. And I can actually see card decks coming out of this. I think there's lots of, there are lots of legs to to grow this concept. But while we're here and we have 25 minutes left to talk about it, I want to walk you through this emotional alchemy process. I don't know, have you ever read the book called The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho? If you haven't, can you just open up Amazon Prime real quick on your phone right now and just go ahead and have that shipped to your house? It is hands down my favorite book, and um, my dad gave it to me when I was... I, don't know, I think about 16 or 17 for my birthday. Um, that is something that I really inherited from my dad, this love of words, language, and books. And um, yeah, he used to give me books on my birthday, and it was really lovely. The Alchemist remains my all-time favorite book. I've read it four times, and the fascinating thing about it is that each time I've read it at various stages of my early and mid-adult years, each time I've read it, it reads like a brand new book. I read through it in a different way. I get much different messaging out of it each time. And each time I do, it's exactly the message I need. It really is a spiritual text, um, even though it's a piece of fiction, and it's really wonderful. But it was this book that really introduced me to to the concept of alchemy, which is really to take something, a substance like lead, and go through this really intense practice of turning it into gold. So to practice emotional alchemy for me means taking these dark, heavy experiences and emotions um, and transforming them into something really beautiful and really golden, something you can hold in your hand and treasure and appreciate the fruits of your labor. So I think I've been able to get it down to a 10 step process. And you know, people love lists. Have you noticed that? It's so easy when we have a list. This is not necessarily a quote unquote, easy process. It's not like all you have to do. Oh, this is my like favorite thing in online marketing. All you have to do is practice these three easy steps and you will have emotional freedom at lightning speed manifest now. No, I don't believe it works like that. I believe this is a cyclical process. It is undoing years, if not decades worth of old patterning. And although sometimes you can make those changes, they shift instantly that sometimes they really do. They shift instantly. Other times they are deeper darker wounds and patterns and belief systems that they they really do take time and energy um, to heal and move through so if you're at that place with some of the stuff that's okay that's totally normal I've said before that our healing is not linear it's very cyclical and we often think that we've put something to rest and you know three weeks later three months later three years later, Something happens in our lives and we feel so triggered and it's, that's an invitation to go deeper and heal that wound on a different level. But the general scaffolding, the general structure of emotional alchemy, I broke down into 10 steps and these 10 steps were not necessarily linear. Some of them happened in an overlapping way. Um, Some of them continue on to, to this day, I still practice a lot of these practices, (laughs) Austin Bowers moment, Uh, I still engage in a lot of these practices because I think it's a really, hmm, it's instrumental to our success in really coming to know ourselves and to be at peace with ourselves, dare I say, to call ourselves beloved. So I'm going to count off the 10 steps for you, um, and we'll just go through them together. Sounds good? Good. Numero uno. Set intentions. Living an intentional life will change your life. If you feel like you are going through this life without purpose and it's just kind of willy-nilly, you're going to feel untethered. You are not going to feel connected to anything. This is not free spirit territory. I'm talking about what you do matters, what you say matters. And when you have no guiding force, be it a lack of faith or a lack of purpose or a lack of attachment to why we're here, why we're doing this. When you have that, when you don't have that, you know, Northern star, that lighthouse it can be really difficult. So if you set a guiding daily intention, it will act as your anchor through the storm. And I remember this when I just left my marriage and it was really intense and really painful and nobody knew what was going to happen or how things would work out. Ultimately, they worked out fine. But when you're in this time of great unknown, it can feel like you have control over nothing in your life. So greeting yourself every morning and setting a daily intention really does provide a very welcome touchstone. So maybe that's something like, I remember thinking, um today I choose to stay calm and respond with grace another time it was today I choose to what oh, I had so many of them for months and I actually worked off of a deck a Buddhist uh, deck that I would pull a card every day and that would help me set my own intention but yeah today I'm gonna you know count to 10 before I respond today I'm gonna stay present with everything I do that kind of thing it can it can today I'm gonna go and um, have a glass of water before I respond to anything. I don't know what it's going to be for you, but you can set one intention daily or weekly or monthly, whatever works for you. And you will really start to find it shapes your purpose. It shapes your existence. Number two, mirror talk. I've talked about this before on the podcast, the importance of mirror talk in, in coming to love yourself But right at the very beginning of this major life transformation, I really started to speak to myself in the mirror the way I would speak to my kids. That allowed me to create healthy, nourishing relationship with myself, which is the foundation of my self-love. I changed the conversation I was having with myself and I got rid of all my sarcasm, all my cynicism, oh my gosh, all my self-deprecation, and I filled my Language, I filled my head with positivity, hope, and encouragement, and support. It makes a huge difference what you say to yourself and how you interact with yourself. And this is a mega part of transforming your dark experiences into something beautiful. Number three, affirmations. Another book that really changed my life, uh, it was written by Louise Hay in the 70s. It's changed many lives and made many impacts on so many people around the world. Uh, It's called You Can Change Your Life, as I said, by Louise Hay. And it really drew my awareness to the power of affirmations. I've spoken to that when I did have uh, cancer, especially right after I got the diagnosis, I went to affirmations immediately and I started shaping the reality in my head that I wanted to be true until I made it true. Um, Again, this is something you can write down. You can write down an affirmation over and over again, like Simpsons, Bart on the chalkboard style, just keep writing it over and over again. You can just say it out loud. You can tattoo it on your body if you like. There are a number of different ways you can practice them, but ultimately you just need to speak them into existence. And I've told the story too, how I used to go down to the lake and just scream out the words until I believed them. And that's really all a process or part of the process of creating, um, creating a new belief for yourself. Number four, gratitude. Gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. We have so much in our lives that we take for granted and it becomes so painfully easy To ignore most of it. You know, when we get hung up and caught up in all of our stuff, all of our drama that's going on, we lose sight of everything that we have around us that is so good. And I've mentioned before that the brain can only perceive can only perceive so much at a time because it receives so much information at a time. So it wants to look for what's called confirmation bias. It wants to look for information in your environment that it already believes to be true. So if you're having a really tough time, your brain is going to look for things in your environment that support you having a tough time. So that's why things tend to go so wrong so fast altogether, right? You know, you're not only dealing with an emotional crisis, but on your way to the lawyer's office or on your way home from the hospital, a car uh, spits up a little stone and cracks your windshield. Now you got to deal with that. You start to receive only bad stuff because that is totally what is on your radar at the time. Conversely, if you flip that switch and you start to feel absolutely grateful for the great things in your life, you teach your brain to look for the good. You teach your brain to look for more things to be grateful for. And if you're in a tight spot right now and you're like, well, that's great least, but I literally have nothing to be grateful for. Do you have running water? I don't know about you, but I love running water and I don't know what I would do without it. It makes me feel so happy to be able to go to the sink and very, very easily just turn on the tap and know that I have fresh, clean water to drink, to cook with, to clean myself and my children. When I get into a tight spot, I am so grateful even more for running water. Things like I live in a wonderful house. It is warm. It is cozy. I am so grateful that I have this safe place, this safe country, this safe community to live in with my children. I feel so grateful for that. Um, In times of extreme anxiety, when it feels like absolutely everything is falling apart around you, a, a wonderful little gratitude trick I like to use is you just take a nice deep breath. And say to yourself, I am grateful for the air in my lungs. You know, if you need to get it down to that simple a level, that basic a level, do it. But start to realize every single thing around you, you have in your life that you are so lucky to have. Don't take it for granted. Just feel ultimately grateful for it. Number five, feel your feelings. Um, We've done a separate podcast on this as well the importance of really feeling your feelings, not ignoring them, not suppressing them, not repressing them, but really, really feeling them. Um, something really interesting happens with feelings that, we, that not a lot of people know about. You know, when you paint a picture, um, you can take yellow and you can take uh, blue and you can mix them together to get green. And you right, and you, you see the color green, you perceive the color green. But when you, you, and you know that from experience, and if you don't remember that from art class, well, there you go, little refresher for you. Um, when you look at the color green on its own, it's very, very rare that you would stop, look at green and say, oh, huh, green, that's the combination of yellow and blue. You just see green. Our feelings tend to be the same way. We can feel one feeling, and we can experience that feeling and what we don't appreciate is that it's actually the combination of two or more other feelings that we haven't allowed ourselves to feel properly because we've ignored them or we've repressed them and suppressed them and we've um, taught ourselves just to, uh, to numb them with a variety of substances, Right. I remember for a lot of years, I had this pervasive sense of sadness. I just felt sad. And it wasn't until I really started getting deep into my own uh, own work of personal development and growth and self-awareness that I started to dissect that sadness. Because when you feel sad and you treat sadness and you continue to feel sad, now you feel frustrated on top of it, right? You're like, okay, none of the things that I'm doing that should make me feel happy again are working. I only feel sad it's not really sadness that you're feeling. It's sadness that you're experiencing, but you're not really feeling it. You know, for me, that was a combination of anger and resentment that were so painful and they were it was so overwhelming, so tough to deal with that it was like my entire body and mind and spirit condensed those emotions into one super color and presented as sadness. When I was brave enough and when I was in a position where I was strong enough to kind of start teasing that sadness apart, I realized like, oh, my, 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 there is a lot of anger here that has never been attended to. And um, that was really freeing. So I really encourage you to, to dig into that and maybe go deeper with not only naming and feeling your feelings, but really getting clear on what it is you're experiencing. Number six, Accountability. It's very easy for us to slip into that mindset where we think things are happening to us, where people are out to get us, the world is against us. Um, We feel like a victim. And when we, again, I'm going to use those words, when we flip the switch and we put ourselves in the driver's seat and we're like, you know what? I actually have a big role to play in all of this. We can take accountability for our own actions and our own responsibility in every dynamic that we enter into. And when we take accountability for our actions, um, we are more in control. We are putting ourselves back into, into a a position of feeling like we have control over it. And it allows us to act in ways that we feel we can actually affect change. If we're sitting around thinking like, well, it doesn't matter what I do. Like things are just going to go wrong for me. I'm nothing's ever worked out for me before. why would it change now? Nobody ever wants to give me a break. Nobody's really out there to support me. When you change that thinking to, I have a role in this. I'm going to show up for myself. I'm going to live with intention. I'm going to do the best that I can do. And I'm going to take everything that happens in my life experience and make it my own. Suddenly we're taking accountability and we start to we start to have um, more agency in our own lives. Number seven. This is a big one. I want you to take a nice deep breath with me. Forgiveness. Forgiveness really is like a drug. Once you start forgiving, it's hard to stop forgiving. Forgiveness is not an easy pill to swallow when you're just getting started. And the real shame of it is that sometimes for your own inner peace and your own emotional freedom, your own drive to overcome what it is that has been really weighing you down in any area of your life, sometimes, my darling, you have to forgive people who have never apologized. You might even have to forgive people who are never going to apologize that's a tough reality. It's also essential to your freedom to find a way of digging deep and forgiving, forgiving the person who caused you that level of pain so that you can move forward. When you hang on to that resentment and you hang on to the the pain of being disappointed and and more, You're carrying something that doesn't even belong to you. So you're carrying not only the trauma of whatever it was that you experienced, but in addition, you're carrying the weight of how, um, I guess, violated you feel by, by that person emotionally. And when you have the bravery to forgive all of the people who have treated you in a less than desirable way, that's what you're letting go of you're giving yourself permission to set that da- set that weight down and walk free ahead of it. Very closely related to that or really tightly tied to that is number eight, which is compassion. When you start to, again, dig really deep and find compassion for other people and every other person, you go through a softening. I've used this quote before too that Maya Angelou said, Everyone, we are. I'm paraphrasing now. When we um, understand that we are each doing the best that we can with what we have, then we, when we know better, we do better. And when you stop and appreciate that everybody around you is doing the best with the resources they have, everybody, you can start to appreciate that maybe that was just the best that they could do at the time. You know, maybe if they were going to do it, if they had the chance to redo it, they would do it differently. Maybe not. But at the very least, you can start to have compassion for where they were at. They were probably not shown the love and respect and value that they needed to feel. And maybe they weren't strong enough to uh, to do the work that you're doing, right? I don't know, I'm not excusing behavior, I'm not making excuses for anybody, I'm talking about you right here, right now, and how do you find emotional freedom, how do you find inner peace, how do you overcome all the things that have happened in your life? Start to practice compassion for anybody who's played a role in informing your experience. Number nine, the act of surrender, and this requires deep faith. Through that forgiveness process, through the intention setting process, it's easy to find yourself reaching out or calling to some kind of spirit for help, for comfort and guidance. No matter what your religious upbringing was or absence of religious upbringing, whatever that was, it doesn't matter. This is something even... Even bigger than that, this is about a connection that you have with the divine. Whether And that's very personal. It's very bespoke to each of us. Maybe you call it the universe. Maybe you call it spirit source. I call it God. For me, it is God. And God is like permeating everything we do so full of love, Um, when you start to surrender to that big picture and understand and trust in the fact that something bigger than you is constantly supporting you, it will create this amazing feeling of being held. Even when you're practicing or you're taking accountability and responsibility for your life, having this deep faith and allowing yourself to surrender to it Will give you an extra cushion, an extra comfort blanket, an extra security blanket that you can just allow yourself to let go and feel held. When you feel like you are the only one controlling things, you are the only one in the driver's seat. It's a lot of pressure, um, too much pressure, and it can just start to feel like, oh man, if I make one mistake, I'm going to mess it all up and it's all going to fall apart. When you appreciate that the universe, that God is looking out for you and is pulling all kinds of strings behind the scenes to help you and guide you on your unique journey and path to find purpose in this life, when you get to that point, it's so freeing. It's like falling backwards into a pool and just trusting that you're going to float it feel it's not always easy to get there especially if you know if you're somebody who is driven who has had a lot of adversity one of our safety mechanisms is just to take control so the idea of letting go and of surrendering can feel really uncomfortable the more uncomfortable it feels it's usually a sign that it's exactly what you need to do just practice that that real letting go and lastly number 10 Number ten, I kind of hybridized um, optimism slash patience. I've talked about the paradox of positivity, how you know positive thinking is not enough on its own, and also how being relentlessly optimistic is fundamental to emotional freedom. Having patience, that kind of plays into the um, the, the trusting and the surrendering. You know, we live in a world where you can have anything, including the alchemist, <laughs> sent to your house in 24 hours or less. And we've kind of detached from or lost sight of the work that goes into things. We're just so used to getting whatever we want, whenever we want it, that we've lost sight of the waiting. And now, I mean, waiting is already pretty uncomfortable on its own but we've really lost sight of how it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to dwell in the unknown and it's okay to just be without knowing what's going to happen. But at the same time, trusting that it's all going to work out, that things are really unfolding in exactly the way they need to. Even if you're met with another obstacle along the way, when you see that for what it is and, and use it to your advantage and just, learn the lessons you need to learn from it. That helps you be this relentless optimist and really trust that things are moving in the right direction. So that's it. Just these 10 easy steps and you'll have emotional freedom in no time flat. I promise. It's my guarantee. Um, You can see it is a process. Um, It's chartable. It's trackable. It's measurable. It's It's really easy to implement little bit by little bit, but it does take commitment. It does take work and effort. But this is, this is the process um, to start transforming those old, maybe dysfunctional patterns or uh, beliefs that you're working off of and start to really take agency of your own life and take anything dark and icky and transform it into something really beautiful and purposeful, emotional alchemy and you can just you know spitballing you can see already i bet how when you when you do that when you engage in that process or that practice with things that carry or carry a lot of weight and cause you a lot of pain when you can move through them and make them your own and make them really beautiful for yourself You can see how that's going to start transforming your business, how that's going to transform your brand, how it's going to cause you to show up so much differently for your children, for your friends, for your partner, and ultimately for yourself. That's why I'm so passionate about this, um, like basically branding this process, this emotional alchemy, because when you have the courage to get through that and to really uh, examine things at a much closer level and start to challenge yourself to see them in a different way with a different mindset. That's how you become free. And that's how you get to the inner peace that you want to have. And that, that is what removes the obstacles so so that you can just start flowing with your life and get ready to receive all the opportunities and people, um, and money and like all the good stuff, all the joy, man, that's, coming for you uh leave me a comment subscribe to this podcast share it with your friends go ahead and take a photo of yourself listening to this podcast and tag me on instagram at least wilcox with the hashtag to call myself beloved I'd love to know that you're enjoying it. Um, If you have any questions, feel free to email me, lease at gmail.com, or just send me a message on one of those social channels. I'm here, and I'm happy to answer questions. Further, if it's something that you want to take deeper on your own level or for your own business, your own life, let's work together. Um, I often take on new clients one-on-one, and who knows? Maybe you'll be the next one. I hope today find you well rested and peaceful and enjoying just a wonderful, wonderful golden day. Thanks for being here.